Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fullest Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Bostwick, and I have two guests today, co-founders of Lalo. We have Michael Weeder and Greg Davison, and they own Lalo, a modern baby and toddler brand that I was introduced to like right when you guys launched. I absolutely love the aesthetic of your chair. I have it and I had it for my toddler. He's three now, but when he was little, I think it was like right when you guys launched. Yep. And yep. I just, I've been a big fan of your brand for a while. So when the opportunity came up to chat with you guys, I was really excited and I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how Lalo grows. I've noticed that you guys recently just launched another product. so. I'm excited to get into that, but first, I think it's really interesting, just like the whole timeline and history behind why you guys got into this business. Um, you guys became first-time fathers, and so I'm just curious if you could give us a little bit of insight into your journey and what inspired you to make Wallo. Yeah, well, thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Good to be here. Um, you know, we. We started Lalo. Lalo launched um, almost three years ago um, publicly, but we were working on it a little bit before then. And quite frankly, before both of us were dads. And it really started first through seeing our friends and families going through this. And Greg came to me and said, this is crazy what my friends and family are going through that are having kids. They don't know what they need. They don't know how much it should cost. When they need to use it, there's got to be a business here. This has to be fixed. And I was like, yes, right then in that moment. Uh, and we, we jumped right into it and surveyed a bunch of parents to learn about the real problems uh, in the industry and it, with the brands that they were already um, that were already out there and the legacy brands. And kind of from there, it, it all launched. And at the time, my wife and I were trying. So this was like really, really pressing to me personally. And Greg was about to be married. So, um, you know, from there we dove in and and really, you know, set out to create a generational brand. Yeah. I, you know, we were definitely building something that I, you know, while we saw a gap in the market, while we saw, you know, our parent, you know, our, our, our friends and family members going through this experience, um, you know, we were also thinking about what would we want in a brand um, when we did enter this phase and knowing that, you know, as Michael mentioned, him and his wife had just started trying when, you know, we kind of had this aha moment, knowing this was kind of the next phase in life for us. Um, it actually felt like a great time for us to, to hunker down and uh, get started here. So what were your backgrounds before? Obviously, you were, I'm assuming you were friends. And what did you guys do before? Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> we weren't friends before. No, we were. Um, so Michael and I, uh, we used to work together uh, at a company called Way Up. Um, so I was the fourth employee hired um, as their head of sales. And uh, while at, I was at the company, uh, one of the co-founders at the time um, and the CEO, we were she was telling me about this marketing guy and he was amazing and she just hired my 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 new work bestie um now my new work husband um and michael <laughs> and so michael joined the team um as the fifth employee um he can tell you a little bit about what he was up to and then i i you know i left um about after about a year and a half almost two years and then i joined artsy um which uh which is like the largest fine art marketplace um and joined them as their vp of sales of and partnerships uh and then yeah and then have this idea brought it to michael my, my amazing brand and marketing friend and we took it from there yeah and you know like greg said we worked together that's where we linked up and stayed close and until this brought us together in a much more deep way um prior to that I, you know i was spent just over three years at way up being as their head of brand marketing and partnerships um <clears throat> prior to that spent time 
and just entrepreneurial and also in the sports and entertainment world as an agent and a music manager um, and starting a few businesses. So, you know, back, back, been in, back in the entrepreneurial grind for a few years and with a, an amazing partner in crime. And, you know, we've been you know, tackling this challenge and you know, have accomplished a lot, but have a lot to still accomplish. That's so exciting. I love stories like that and learning how people meet and, um, and bring another baby to life, obviously, in the form of a business. So, okay, so you guys got together. Greg, you came to Michael and you had this idea. Did Were you guys from the beginning ideating that it would be this milestone, like product launching for each milestone? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Like, what we saw is a big gap in the market that there weren't really brands that were living with the customer and supporting them through their journey of parenthood, through the milestones with their child. Um, and a lot of what was, was out there was really predicated on selling fear and anxiety. And I'm sure you've experienced this as a mom, you know, the products that really, really basically tell you your kid's not going to sleep unless they do this, or they're not going to eat unless you buy our product. Like that's not true. Um, and we felt there was such an opportunity to just market through love and connection with the customer um, and be there and celebrate uh, through all these different moments. You know, a lot of brands have to like manufacture moments to celebrate with their customers. Ours are built into our customers' lives. And you know, we thought that was an incredible opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, especially when we started and, and even now, right, I think what made Lalo special is, you know, we took, you know, I think some of the, you know, the old school D2C playbook of, looking at categories that were stale, didn't have connections with the customer. Um, and there was so much of this uh, then. Uh, and, and, and like I said, still now. So right, if you think about some of the most well-known brands, they've become really, really well-known for, for one product. Their idea of getting, hopefully getting that customer back or following that customer um, is to launch a kind of second iteration of that product maybe a year or two later, say, oh, now you have two kids and so you need this product. Um, and so that milestone journey was really, really resonated with us uh, really quickly to kind of build this brand, be able to talk to them uh, way more often. And because you know, most of these brands were built at retail, uh, there was still that white space in this category. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because you, when you think about like milestone um, companies directly, you know, targeting baby products, I would think of maybe like toys for each phase, right? Like a zero to three month, three to six month, whatever, and so forth. But then you don't. I never would have thought of like big picture, like the chair or ladder or the play gym or that sort of thing. And then also like, I think, yeah, I think it's so smart what you said about how it's a lot of times fear-based. Like for example, nothing against Happiest Baby. I think it's amazing and has worked for so many of my friends. And I personally bought a snoo, but I bought it because I was scared that I wasn't going to get sleep. And then I never used it and I spent $1,200 on it. And like my kid didn't want it. And I know multiple parents that have done that. And I think you nailed it when you said it's, it can be fear-based. Like maybe someone buys that same product because they love it or their child loved it and so forth and nothing against the product. But I agree with you. I think marketing in the way that it's from love and so wonderful for your kids and a great way to connect with them. I think that's brilliant and I absolutely love that. So I think that's really great. And I'm curious how you guys like decided to start with the chair as the first product. Yeah. So, I mean, we, 
we actually, we actually had a, a previous product. We had a stroller early on and then went into the chair shortly after. And there was a, well, whole yeah, milestone, I remember. Okay, yeah. Yeah, a whole milestone approach of, you know, we launched the chair four months after, cause that's typically when people are going to install it. And we, we great grew in a, a tremendous following of people who were waiting for a product to buy from us. They already had a stroller or whatever. What became really clear to us over time was that we were winning in the home. Like what we were doing was creating beautiful products that parents were proud to own. And they didn't have to put away because they weren't shiny and green and, you know, just built for their child. But we built it with both the parent and the child in mind, especially from an aesthetic perspective and safety and everything that the parents are looking for. And we try to remove as many trade-offs as possible. So the, the chair was a big component of that. And then from there, really thinking strategically around what else do people need for feeding? And then, you know, as we grow, really thinking through both the milestones, but the different rooms that parents you know, use or co-use with their child. And what are the different components of those rooms? And most of those rooms have an anchor product, a pillar product, something that's bigger, more expensive, um, more researched. And then there are a lot of accessories around that. So for our high chair, you know, that could be our feeding accessories, our tableware. We, you know, we find that p parents and our customers really want one brand that they can trust they don't have to keep going through that decision-making process and that same research and waste all these hours. We care a lot about building that trust with our customers so they can worry about the things that really matter, like their development. Are they sleeping? Are they eating? Are they doing the things that they need to, to live their lives? And you know, we shouldn't add one more thing of stress to their life. We should just be that trusted go-to brand. Did you see other legacy brands that found themselves making a stroller and a high chair and doing just creating products like that for the home or do you think that they all kind of like stuck to one thing yeah I, I mean traditionally i mean that was that was part of the white space we saw they really you know they became known for for one thing very quickly and so even if they did expand to other products it took them a very 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 long time to and so for us by actually building out our products like michael mentioned we launched our stroller but very tactfully we launched a high chair about four months after which of those customers, right? The hope would be, oh, that kid is, maybe they're taking their first bites um, of, of solids at that point in time. Um, and so just being able to develop a product with that cadence was huge to showing our customer, you know, we will have the things that you need um, as your child begins to, to hit new milestones um, throughout their life. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then it doesn't like get you stuck on just like being known for one product. So I think that's brilliant. For sure. Um, so you guys have grown exponentially since you began. You've had a lot of love in the in the form of like celebrities endorsing you and influencers, and you opened up a flagship store. Is that correct? Yeah, we opened up our flagship in November in uh, in New York City in NoHo um, at Zero Bond um, address is Zero Bond. Do you so? What do you attribute to Lala's rapid expansion? Like, how, how do you see it? having like grown and gotten so much love in such a short period of time? I think there are a lot of, there are a lot of, it's a combination of many factors, but I think it, when it boils down is we've been really, really focused on doing as many things as possible to build that trust with the customer, but also really caring about the customer. So everything we do from the language we use to the, you know, the influencers or celebrities that are fans of our brand, it's about actually caring. And, you know, influencer celebrity has played a big role in us, you know, gaining notoriety gaining that trust. You know, if, if someone sees someone they really like and trust on Instagram with our products, that's going to create a great brand association. But part of that is really starting with that 
influencer or celebrity. We, we have a saying within our marketing team that influencers are people, not a marketing channel, right? Because we need to treat people as people and, and understand their needs and create a real connection to them with the brand and not just exploit them for their, for their marketing behavior. So, you know, we have tons of celebrities that are cust paying customers of ours, um, you know, and people that, that love to get our products, but they're really coming to shop our products and they're not, you know, it's not a, a, a big paid marketing channel for us just to, to gain the notoriety. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it really is the new word of mouth marketing. And with word of mouth marketing, it's really about take, I mean, taking care of your customer, right? So it's kind of the same thing, but in a different way. So you guys launched, I mean, there's never a perfect time to launch a business, but you guys launched and then shortly after COVID shutdowns happened, I'm curious what some of your supply issues, um, any supply issues you guys faced considering like the products you guys have. Yeah, not, o not only did, uh, did we launch and then COVID happened, Michael had his, his, first, his first baby, his daughter, uh, a month before COVID. And then I also had my first child in April, 2020. So, um, <laughs> but you know, luckily our, like you said, our third baby, um, you know, we, we were very, very, very concentrated on, you know, figuring out like what, what is our unconstrained demand? Um, how could we really figure out test new sales channels? And luckily for us, you know, our, well, there were a lot of other, I, I think markets that were constrained. Our category saw a ton of growth and a lot of focus to online shopping where it traditionally had not gone. Um, and so, you know, we were definitely in, you know, launching Digitally Native, you know, just over a year a year from when the pandemic hit, um, we were really in a position of strength compared, compared to some other brands um, to really go attack the market that year. Um, and it was, you know, incredibly fruitful time for us. As you may or may not know, we've been sharing the benefits of Saffron with our community for a little while now. Growing up in a Persian family, I'd been aware of the benefits of saffron because of its prevalence in my mother's cooking. But as we began on the journey to create our own line of saffron-based products, I began to learn the powerful science behind the plant. Saffron has been used by many cultures for thousands of years, and now the research is backing it up, proving that just 30 milligrams of saffron per day is a natural source for enhanced emotional and physical well-being. At the fullest, we believe that incorporating ancient wisdom into our modern lives is one of the most powerful and accessible paths to healing. We also believe that everyone's journey is unique. So for our latest launch, we've created a line of Saffron products in a variety of formats to help you curate Saffron in your personal daily routine. Warm Feelings is our Saffron Latte powder and comes in individual sachets and in larger sustainable glass jars. Made with just certified high-grade saffron, organic coconut powder, and cardamom, it's the perfect coffee alternative and feel-good start to your day. If you prefer to pop a pill, Kinder Thoughts is our 30-day supply of saffron capsules and a super simple way to support your body and mood with the power of saffron. And if you're looking to strengthen your immune system, try our Mindful Immunity Syrup. This healing blend uses saffron to reduce inflammation, but also harnesses the power of an ancient Middle Eastern berry called barberries to fight infection, along with sea buckthorn and elderberries, all in a base of manuka honey to aid in antibacterial healing. It's a true immunity powerhouse. Honestly, at the moment, I'm using each of these products on a daily basis, depending on my needs. And to help you begin your own saffron journey, 
we're offering a discount of 15% off just for our podcast listeners with code the fullest podcast at checkout. I hope you enjoy your new daily saffron ritual. So did it delay though a lot? Like, have you guys, do you continue to deal with supply chain issues? I mean, it's kind of becoming more and more of an issue and a challenge. Yeah, I mean, into the pandemic. Yeah, it's a great question. And we see it as a competitive advantage. So we've done a lot on our end to make sure we're in stock of our core products that people want and buy, and we don't have shipping delays and things like that. Of course, there are things that can pop out, pop, pop out, out of the blue. Um, but those are really out of our control. But the only thing that we can control is how we communicate that to the customer. So if something does come, we're extremely transparent. We don't just tell them their product's been delayed. We may tell them your product is actually like stuck at customs right now. And we're going to keep you up to date if something happens. So there's less ambiguity and more trust if something does happen. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of brands, you know, with a lot of smoke and a lot of fog for customers, not really understanding supply chain, supply chain for a lot of people is just this big thing that's, you know, kind of amorphous and like, you don't really understand it. Um, but for us, we, we've taken measures to make sure we're in stock. People can get our products. They can get them in time because there are plenty of baby products that are hard to get. There've been, you know, numerous press articles about it, but for us, you know, having products people buy is really, really important. Do you think that it'll affect like future products that you're planning on launching? Not really. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, we've had to work a little bit further out, right, and plan a little bit more ahead. And yeah. I, I think that's measures that we've taken into account. But getting those products to market um, as fast as possible um, is important. But you know, with, without cutting corners, you know, ensuring safety um, is really a top concern for us. So. For us, you know, we make sure that we're putting quality premium products in the market for our customers. Um, and that takes time. So, you know, we have a lot of newness coming um, over the next year and two years even um, that customers can look out for across different rooms, different milestones. And, um, you know, we're already working hard with all of our suppliers around the world to, to make sure we, we mitigate any supply chain risk. That's awesome. So um, speaking of high safety standards, which you guys obviously adhere to the highest safety standards. So can you guys tell a little bit about, tell us a little bit about like that experience of going through something like that? Because another furniture company, any furniture company might not have to go through standards as high as having like a baby or toddler company. So what exactly do you do? Yeah. So first and foremost, it starts with starts with the materials, right? Are we using the best possible non-toxic materials? Are we understanding all of the compliance that is in place there in terms of um, chemical usage and things like that? You know, Prop 65 in California is a pretty serious law about the use of phthalates. And, you know, we've eliminated all of those or they've never shown up in our products. We use FDA grade silicone where we use silicone. You have we use FSC certified beech wood for all of our wood, so you can you know guarantee that it's sustainably sourced. We use recycled paper for packaging. Um, we're actually in an initiative right now to make sure 100% of our packaging is recyclable by the end of the year. And there's a lot of different stuff that goes in on the front end. And then there's the testing components, right? Understanding the standards, what you need to test for. We you know work with compliance teams to to make sure we have a, a strong quality and testing system in place. And then we test our products more often than is even needed. Um, within the market so that, you know, there's never, ever a fault. Um, and we're, you know, we can assure our customers that they're working with, safe, you know, using safe products around their kids because that's certainly a concern. And 
you know, we, we take that extremely, extremely seriously. Would you say that that's something that you guys were both passionate about for your own families? Or would you say, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you are. I think everyone should have like, you know, chemical-free, non-toxic products for their children. But a lot of people just aren't even, don't even think about it or don't even realize that the wood that they're using is not sustainably sourced and all these things. So would you say that that was something that you was a core part of the business model from the beginning? Yeah, I, I think it, it was something that obviously Michael and I, you know, care deeply about and, and still do to this day, especially with kids. Um, but another thing that I think I think goes unlooked, a lot of, you know, having FDA-grade silicone, sustainably sourced wood, these things should be table stakes. And what, what doesn't get talked a lot about is, right, there's so much waste in this category, right? You, your kid is getting older, they use something for three or four months, um, and then you're either putting in storage or potentially, you know, throwing it away. Um, and so for us, as we thought about how do people perceive the value in our products, we really thought about the longevity of them, right? So our high chair turns into a play chair, and then there's another product you can purchase for it. Um, our, our play gym that we just launched turns into a tent when they're done using it, you know, after the first six, eight months of, of, of their lives. Um, and I think th that is also equally as important. Um, is how long is is the child able to use that product for? Um, and also, you know, I think the perceived value then to the customer, you know, goes up exponentially. That's amazing. It's so thought out. And I, that's one of the things I love about the high chair too, because right now my, I use the high chair for my six month old and I keep changing the legs out based on like what table we're eating at. So if we're at the normal dining table, she'll be obviously in the highest setting, but then my toddler loves to play with her at his little like play table area. And so we just like swap it out and she gets to hang out with us. And, and then, like you said, I'm, I just love the fact that later on it just turns into a regular chair and so forth. So I think that's so thought out and so incredible that you guys are building a brand like that. Because even like, for example, Goodwill, like if you wanted to give something to Goodwill, I'm pretty sure they don't take baby products or kids products. It's just... I mean, baby products specifically, which is so interesting to me. So yeah, I think there there is certainly limitation on used used products. And look, our you know there there are products that have second lives and are used, and that is certainly a more sustainable way to, to pass it on. But you know, if we also want to deliver the most value to our customer too. We make premium products; they're not meant to be cheap. They use great materials, um, and we want people to make sure they're getting the best bang for their buck as well. So if they can use a high chair instead of using it for two years, they can use it for six years. That's incredible value on top of the sustainability. Yeah. Okay. So we often speak about challenges of working moms. I'm one of them. And um, especially those launching and running companies. So what have you guys experienced from the male perspective and how have you set up your family structure to support raising your kids and also managing a new business? Yeah. I mean, I think this is an extremely, extremely personal question. Um, that everybody needs to assess on their their own, um, you know. For it really comes down to you know your fi you know financial ability to afford different types of childcare. You know how the you know how if you're in a partnership, if you're not in a partnership. I think Greg and I are extremely lucky to lucky to have two amazing partners that support our entrepreneurial journey and the craziness that comes with running a business. But you know there are certain you know and there are sacrifices. You know there are times where you miss bedtime or you have to leave you know, have to leave early and you don't get that time in the morning. Um, you know, but it's, you know, finding time where possible to, to make space and room 
to be a dad, um, to be a partner uh, in, in raising a child. And, you know, they're definitely in, in anybody who's going through parenting or in a committed relationship and raising a, you know, co-parenting, there are challenges. This is not a smooth road and you just got to, you know, be open and honest and transparent, um, you know, figuring it out. But I think we also think about it a lot in terms of our team and supporting great systems for working parents, because there, a lot of that has changed over, over the year. And 70% of our team has parents all under, uh, has kids all under the age of five. So we have a lot of new parents on our team. Our entire customer experience team is made up of, of um, working moms that have all um, that were all started as customers of ours, and um, a lot of them were changing jobs in a pandemic and trying to find more flexibility in their work life um, to find a job that could support them uh, being a mom, but also having a career. And, you know, so we're we're proud of what we've built, not just for ourselves, but for for the parents at our company and building you know, rethinking the workplace for, for working parents. Yeah, I think that, that that latter point is, I mean, both points are incredibly, incredibly true. And as Michael said, him and I are you know, very, very, very lucky to have very supporting partners at home who really push us and support us in this endeavor. But on, you know, work-life balance, um, it, it obviously is difficult being a founder. Um, but within our team, like Michael said, we do have a lot of first-time parents. Uh, and you know, 70% of, 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 our, of our team have kids under, under five years old. So there's this shared experience that all of our, that we are going through with our employees um, at the very same time. We're all in a very, you know, for now, we're in, you know, similar, similar life stages. We understand what, what each of us are going through. We understand the importance of, uh, of bath time at five or six o'clock or whenever each, uh, you know, each uh, one of our team members does it and kind of like the, how sacred that can be. And so I think we really respect each other's time um, with our families, which is like one of the beautiful things uh, about, our, about our company. So do you guys all work out of an office or do people have, um, some people work remotely? I know you mentioned the customer experience team, but yeah, I'm curious, like, is there a balance there at Lala? Yeah, so um, 50% of our workforce is outside of New York and California, uh, Illinois, Indiana, uh, Colorado, um, and and the, the remaining 50% are, are here in New York. Um, we're still a very flexible workforce given the fact that 50% of our our full-time team members, even some of our part-time team members, are all remote. Um, so we do have an office. Uh, Michael, Michael, and I are here right now, um, and we give people, you know, the optionality and the flexibility, um, you know, of, of what they want to do. Wherever they feel most productive, you know, we want to empower them to to feel that way. That's awesome. So, can you guys share a little bit about starting your baby and toddler brand in a mostly female-led space, and if that's like affected any? or have proven any challenges for you guys? Yeah, I mean, it's it's some it's interesting, right? Like, there are actually a lot more men that yeah, are operating that are operating businesses in this space than I think you'd imagine. Um, yeah. And um, there are certainly a lot of mom, you know, founded brands out there that have created great businesses. And you know, I think it's a great it's a great part of our story. I think we we love you know being able to layer on our own personal experiences, but really, what's important to us is being able to really listen to our customers and other parents and take into account their experiences. Um, and but building products for our families is really fun, right? Seeing our kids use it. I mean, my daughter uses our play table and chairs, and our high chair every day. Like 
that is incredible. She's coloring on our giant coloring sheets and making art. Like, it's awesome. It's so, 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 so fun. Um, but, you know, early days, you know, when my, my wife and I were, went through infertility at the beginning of us starting this company, we were trying to get pregnant, having a lot of difficulty. That was really challenging because it was, it was very hard for investors and people in conversations to understand and, uh, where that's coming from. There were a lot of bad jokes made about not having kids at that time. Um, and you know, really hurtful and a, a lot of, um, a lot of uh, mainly investors that would be pretty ashamed if they if they knew um, you know kind of how their words hit us as men and me going through it and, and you're not understanding that men are sensitive to that too and it's something that's a joint experience so I think that it, it certainly came up a lot in the early days yeah I mean I mean I think I think that is it like Michael and I were somewhat you know, I think foreshadowing you know what we would what we would be going through the products that we would want when we did become parents, and as Michael mentioned, you know, he was on his journey of figuring out how to become a parent. Um, it was just a, you know, a unique road for him. But, you know, I'd say, you know, for other people who, who have a business idea, I think male or female for that matter, you know, how many uh, you know, t-shirt or sock companies get started about they don't know how to make a sock? Um, like, just because we didn't, you know, we weren't parents didn't mean we were any less educated or trying to figure out how to become more educated on something we thought was an awesome opportunity. And so, yeah, I think like that would be, you know, I, I would imagine our biggest piece of business advice for, for anybody. Okay. So the, I think what you guys said was really interesting to me because I'm going back to like, okay, you didn't have kids when you started the company, but it was something that you were wanting to do for really your own families. And you were ideating these products that you knew you'd want to use. And it made me think about this whole category of people that probably I'm curious if you're targeting or how you connect with that either are, you know, in the, on the same road as you or even like family members. Cause these are products like strollers and high chairs are products that maybe, yes, you put on your registry, um, of people will buy for you, but maybe someone doesn't and just needs a stroller, needs a high chair and a grandparent or an aunt or uncle is the one that's going to buy it for the baby. So how do you connect with that customer? Yeah. I mean, we, I think it's important to, to step back and understand that what we were building is we weren't setting out to build a brand that was based around a product. We were building a brand based around the consumer need and the connection that they were, that they were really wanting, um, from the brands that they were, were buying. Right. And yeah. understanding that consumer need and the, that white space that exists to allow us to, you know, attack, attack a more macro problem than the, the, just the micro solutions of that problem or the, you know, the products that we create today. So what we do is we ultimately want to build connection to the end user, the parents. It doesn't matter who's going to purchase it. At the end of the day, the number one person that's going to impact that decision is the person that's going to use it, even if they put it on a registry. The registry is just that last click that happens to make the purchase. So um, we have to win over a lot of people, um, but we have to think about gifting in particular because gift givers often come back and we can win them over too. People, you know, often do find their go-to baby gift and they don't even listen to the registry. So we talk to a lot of different types of people. Um, we create creative that speaks to, you know, grandparents as much as it does to parents, you know, separate creative. Um, you know, and we, you know, we do certain things to bring grandparents in particular who are major spenders in this category into the mix. We have a customer council 
that plays a really big part in giving product feedback, marketing feedback, et cetera. And that's made up of both parents. And now in our last cohort of people that came into the council, now includes grandparents. Um, so, you know, we, we definitely think of all the different kind of stakeholders in a, in a little one's life that could make a purchase. Awesome. Are you guys um, B Corp certified or on your way to becoming? Because I feel like everything you do is like along the lines of having that certification. It's not something that's in the roadmap right now. I mean, we care a lot about doing good. Um, you know, we're a business that, you know, is at the end of the day, a lot of our products are used by the next generation, so to speak. So when we think about sustainability and things like that, it's really core to who we are as a business because we want to create, you know, a better world for the kids. Um, you know, we want that world to be around. And so that drives, you know, doing good certainly drives a lot of what we, what we do and how we interact. And we've made, you know, super generous product donations to organizations that help, you know, families in need and um, financial donations. And we do all sorts of stuff really because it's the right thing to do. We don't do a lot to publicize it either for better or for worse, but whether or not that's the corporate structure um, hasn't been a conversation to date, but we, you know, at the core of the business, doing good and giving back to our community is really, really important. Yeah. I mean, you're already doing like all the things that they would want anyway. So like you said, it's just another certification. Anyways. So yeah, I'm, I really appreciate you guys coming and chatting with us and I'm so glad I get to share more about Lalo with our community. And I guess my last question is, you guys have, have mentioned that you you know a lot of the products that you're about to launch and you're really excited about them and there's a lot um, coming soon within the next year. I'm curious if you can share a little bit more about um, what we can expect. Yeah, um, so you know we did just launch our Play Gym uh, three or four weeks ago, which is an awesome product for us. And you know as we look towards 22 and 23, um, you know we look at the home as kind of our galaxy. Um, and so as we look into that home. You know, we're we're definitely vetting new opportunities in each of the rooms, right? So um, I'm not going to say which ones are coming soon, but there's only so many rooms, uh, so many rooms out there. Um, but we're we're super excited, and we have a, a lot to uh, show everyone this year. Yeah. So whether you're a new parent, expecting parent, current customer, there's going to be there's something an, for a, you. Yes, that's, for sure. That's without a doubt, and different opportunities to interact with the brand, even if a certain product is right for you. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see what it all is. And I'm a huge fan. So I'm sure I'm going to be, you know, the next one in line to purchase whatever it is. So I appreciate your time and thank you for joining us.